careful what you search for. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today, we have Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. And Mo Walker is joining us all, joining me as well. How, hey, Mo. I'm glad to be here, Luke. So we haven't podcasted in a bit, but we wanted to talk about Lovecraft Country. There has been quite a discussion amongst the two of you on the um, in our group chat, and I was able to watch the uh, season premiere. So we're going to discuss the pilot. We're going to discuss a bit of the season. Obviously, the season finale er, has not aired yet um, as of this recording, so that won't be included. So we may have to come back to that at another time. Um, so going around the circle, first quick impression, Mel, what did you think of the pilot? So I I remember watching trailers for this and thinking, oh, this could be kind of okay. But then I saw the reaction of the pilot on Twitter and I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm going to do this, I'm going to watch it. And it did not disappoint at all. I really enjoy that this show incorporates so many different elements of horror not just you know gore not just monsters not just slashes not just supernatural it's kind of a little bit of everything and its setting also makes it interesting because it's back you know in the 40s and the 50s when things are still where things are more segregated than they are and that kind of adds a different feel to it because there's no technology. There's no, I can't Google this. I can't do that. It is literally old school. There are no Google Maps. There is nothing, okay? It is old school. You are on your own, all right? You are not TikToking on a road trip. (laughs) It's not happening, okay? No one's going to find you because they pinged your cell phone. You you are out in the middle of nowhere. Okay, you don't have it the just, strange. You don't have the strange. Tra- uh, you don't have the friend tracker app, so that if your friend <laughs> is in danger, you can go find them. Mm-mm. You better hope somebody hears you scream. So right. I, I really like a lot of that, but I also love that you know, if I'm not mistaken, this is based off of a book series, and you know, Courtney Buance's character and Atticus and. And all of them, they, they are really into their science fiction and their horror books and that they're kind of our guides. And I I really love that as well. But the pilot um, was great. I really enjoyed it. I also think the cast is really strong. And I've been watching the series every week. It has been a highlight. Mo, first impressions? <laughs> yeah, Mel... Mel said a lot about what, what I think and love about Lovecraft Country. I'm not necessarily a big horror person by any stretch of the imagination but one of the things that really made me interested in this series is is that it's very much inverting stereotypes of horror particularly of stereotypes of horror as it relates to people of color particularly uh black black folks of color because usually in the horror stories you know they're the not the people leads. die first the black people die that's first. true they're not the leads um and again, we go. You go back to if if you've listened to um, 
the showrunner for the show, Misha, Misha Green, she's talked, had a series of interviews in which she's talked about, um, you know, kind of inverting and breaking down the notion of Lovecraft because Lovecraft, who is the horror, the horror fiction uh, writer Lovecraft, who is, and well, not is, but was an, was a, a notorious racist and how, right. you know, she's taken that in the show and, and, you know, using the work of uh, the the novel as a framework, um, and just you know making these black characters the lead in not only this horror story, but also you know through this telling their own story, which very much mirrors you know life in America. And even though this takes place in the fifties, it still is able to connect with people emotionally about things that are still going on in 2020. And I, I really like that. And, and of course, you know, um, you know, there, there is an episode, uh, the ninth episode where you, you, they talk about 1921 and, and everything that transpired there, which again, you know, it's this kind of interesting juxtaposition of how Lovecraft country interpretation of those events um, versus Watchmen's interpretation of those events. So I, I really do look forward to watching this this show every week. Uh, for those of you, I mean, even the sex scenes are horrific in this show, and Mel knows what I'm talking about when I when I when I mention that. Well, the first sex scene wasn't that Ooh, Lord. the pilot, but I haven't no. I've only watched the one Look, in the pilot. There's a couple of episodes <laughs> where, Lord Jesus. Yes! Yes, yes, you yes, are not ready. Okay, yes. I guess I have something to look forward to or not. Um, I, like I said, I've only watched the pilot. Um, I was a little bit, I'm not into horror, um, generally, unless it's genre horror. I like vampires, werewolves, some zombies ghosts i'm not into slasher porn any of that kind of stuff and so when i saw this i was like hmm i'm not sure if this is something that i'd be into but it was one of those things where everybody who i've heard who has watched it has spoken so highly of it that i was like okay i'm gonna check this out I did have some concerns just because I I didn't know a lot, but I knew that the author of the Lovecraft, um, H.P. Lovecraft was a racist, as Mo pointed out, to the point where he was writing racist poetry. And so I was like, I wonder how that's going to work. And then as I'm watching it and I'm seeing how, as Mel pointed out, the framework that they did for this, where they flipped it on its head, I think that maybe the best way to put it is... um, it's a form of reclaiming my time in that the creators of this TV series have flipped it to make what was once stories written by a racist author something that are is actually has a positive connotation. And so I was like, okay, this is interesting. Being raised in, well, being raised in the Upper Plains states, I had no clue what a, like, I thought I had read a fair amount of history books. We didn't weren't allowed to read fiction when I was a kid, so like I like unless it was religious fiction. So I read a lot of like encyclopedias and I never came across sundown cities or sundown counties. That's on purpose. In the encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't surprise me. It was just 
there were elements of this that were unsettling for me. And so for individuals who actually have to live that experience on a daily basis back then or who are still dealing with racism today, I was like, wow. Um, It was a reminder of things that I take for granted, not really being things that everybody else can take for granted. And it was sort of an eye opener. Um, I don't know that we want to go too far down that path, that discussion, just because that doesn't really necessarily focus on the show so much, but it was definitely a eye opener for me. Lovecraft Country stars uh, Journey Smollett. I will just like to preface the rest of these names by saying anyone who has listened to any of my podcasting knows I am not great with names. I can mangle the easiest name. So as I'm going through these, if I mangle a name, I apologize. Jonathan Majors um, also stars in the show. He plays Atticus. Um, Anjunu Ellis is in it. Wunmi Masaku. Abby Lee, Jamie Chung, and Jada Harris, and Michael Kenneth Williams are all the people who have at least 10 episodes. Um, What did you think of the two primary characters, the two main younger characters, Mo? Atticus and Letitia. Well, well, I think Atticus and Letitia, you know, I feel like... Well, yeah, so to me, it took me a couple episodes to really warm up to Atticus or tick as, as they often like to refer to him. I warmed and, up to him when he was doing stuff with the fire hydrant. Oh, yeah. Okay, back, look. Huh? Got me too. Continue. I, I, well, I, yeah, I was like, God, I wish I was in that kind of shape. So, so Luke, so you can continue to admire his shape. As as you may have heard, he 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 has been cast to be in um, to be Kang the Conqueror in the next Ant Man movie, so you can continue to admire his shape. Um, yes. in, and in, in for- <laughs> sorry, Mo, we're just lusting. Don't mind us. No, it's okay. Um, but I was gonna say probably, and I think a lot of it has to do is because how his relationship with his father. Um, and again, because we get drips and drabs of their relationship early on, um, we clearly see the, the connection that he has with his uncle, uh, George, played by Courtney Vance. You know, that, that helped me to warm up to that character. I thought that um, his, I, you know, initially, I just didn't see a whole lot of chemistry between Tick and and uh, Letty, but, you know, of course, by the time you get to the end of the pilot, you get into the second episode, um, you, you start to really see that, that smoldering chemistry between them, um, and, and to me, it, it really helps cement this, him as, you know, one of the two main, quote-unquote, lead, um, lead heroes. I think part of by the time you get to the episode where you find out his backstory in Korea, it kind of really fills in the gaps. Um, when Jia, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, I, um, uh, Jamie Chung's character comes, actually comes on screen, and I she's really the like one he those... called in the pilot and said that he shouldn't have gone home. 
Yes, the, she was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so by the time yeah, because I mean it's like with her, and it, it's a shame that you really only get her on screen in that flashback episode, and we've seen her again, and in this kind of spoilerish territory, she she appears on screen in the um, the penultimate episode. But I also really like their chemistry, and I guess it's the soap opera viewer in me that that wanted more, you know, of of an interaction between the three of them. But um, Letty, off off the bat, I mean, uh, Journey Smollett, I mean, she is just fire. I mean, it's like from the moment, it's like from the moment you see her, it's like if you cross her, it feels like she's gonna punch you. And just keep going. She's not going to let anything stop her. She's not. She's unapologetic. I really like that. Um, interestingly enough, you know, and it's a, it's sad that you know um, the Harley Quinn um, film didn't do as well because I think that people would really recognize her, you know, more in the mainstream. Uh, obviously, I mean, um, she's she's worked with Misha Green uh, on previous shows and so forth, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why um, she works so well as, as the lead here on. Mel, what did you think of their chemistry? Um, I definitely echo a lot of what Mo is saying. Is that at first they kind of had this weird uh, chemistry, like people who grew I up guess, with each other that might yeah. or might not have something. Right, it's like uh, I guess this is okay. I, mm, I, I did. It didn't take me a while to warm up to Atticus. I just felt like in the beginning, especially you know the pilot, he was very guarded. But that makes sense because he was just coming back from war. You know, you've seen all kinds of crazy things. So I was like, okay, okay, I understand. You know, he's a man with past. That makes sense. I got it. But Letty, as Mo said. Letty came on the scene of Firecracker because that's who she is. You know, that's that's her. And I love how her family knows she is this person like, oh, I'm so excited you came to see me, but what do you want? Because clearly you don't be here just for no reason. You know, right. it's things like that. But if we're just talking about the keepers and the main characters, it grows. As the series goes on and the things that they go through t- together it's easier, their chemistry becomes easier. So by the time mid-season towards the end of the season rolls around, things progress and you're like, yep, this makes sense. I'm, I like it. I'm with it. The premise of the series, at least as outlined in the pilot, is that um, Atticus um, returns to Chicago because his father has gone missing and he begins a hunt with his uncle to find his father based on a letter that he had received. Uh, Letty ends up tagging along because she's back in Chicago, but her sister will only let her stay two days in her house because she doesn't have money or a job. And so Letty decides rather than get a job in Chicago, she's going to go on this road trip. They encounter a, well, I don't know the official term for it, but, um, some racist individuals in a town where they were going to check out a restaurant and see if it was something that would be friendly so that they, that black people as they're traveling could have a friendly place. They realize that something weird is going on. Letty overhears a conversation is like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And it runs out, starts the car drives and they are chased 
um, by some white people. And they escape that because there is a curious intervention um, by a white woman in a very beautiful car who basically prevents the bad guys from getting them. They keep going and they have an encounter with a racist sheriff who asks them if they'd ever heard of sundown cities and they said yes and he was like well this is a sundown county and they were like if you you can't go south because you won't make the county line in time and so Atticus is like we'll go north they barely make it across the county line, and on the other side of the line are more sheriffs and deputies who are looking for smugglers and thieves. They are then taken into the forest. It's now dark, and all of a sudden some supernatural shit starts happening. And I will let Mel take it from there. Mel, they are there they survive beasts and end up finding the house, the location that they'd been searching for that apparently Atticus has a connection to. So there's no other explanation for what happened in those woods other than all hell broke loose. Literally, there were demons. There were monsters with eyes eating people. All hell broke loose in those woods, okay? But I, I really loved, just to go back a little bit, that, you know, Atticus and his uncle and his wife, who is played by, played by the amazing Anjanue Ellis, who I love and I will watch anything that she is in, they are responsible for updating what is called the Green Book, you know, safe places for black people to go when they are traveling. And I don't know why. I knew about the Green Book. I did. But I don't know why it never clicked in my head that, duh, somebody's got to be writing and updating this thing. And I was like, oh, well, duh. I don't know why I just thought people would sit in the store. Don't mind me. I'm just being dumb. But I was like, okay, that's a good. But it was a good preface for them to go on this journey into the woods to figure out and find Atticus's father. And as they're in the woods... They are using their guide, who I'm calling Courtney B. Vance, is the guide for all intents and purposes because he's a man who knows all the books and he is your very important person. So as they are battling these monsters and trying to get away, they, he is the one who figures out, oh, hey, they don't like light. That's why I was able to survive and get to them to get to Letty and Atticus who are in the house. And he also figures out hmm, if these things bite you, you turn into one of them. So I think that was really important because, like I said, he is your guide. And when they finally do get to the main mansion, it is weird, all right? They meet Christian, who is weird AF, and Christina, she's weird too. So it it, it gives you a, a false sense of security because you're thinking oh well they're they're saved and they're okay but they get to this house with these weird people and you're like Mm-mm, they are not okay and nothing is ever going to be okay in the rest of this series is it so i felt like the pilot did a really great job of setting up the rest of the season and giving you the knowledge of i should not trust the things that i see in this series well and not only that but letty and um George had lost their memories of what had transpired in the woods the next morning, which the was, e- which was equally unsettling. 
the whistle is like the blinky thing in Men in Black. That's really what I equate it to. I was like, oh, that's why they, every time the whistle went off, it was a new day. It was a new world. They were in a new place. So you learn more about that, I think, in the second episode. You kind of get a little bit more of a sense of that and what's going on. And you, you can pick and choose who can remember and who can't remember. So it's interesting. All I know is that that ended with them there. They And I was like, these black people just walked into a whole nest of vampires. That was my thought <laughs> when I was watching it. Mo, what did you think of the surviving the woods, arriving at the mansion, and the clues to his mother possibly having been there when, while pregnant? Luke, I was going to say, it wasn't um, Tick's mother who was there. It was a descendant of his. It was like his great-great-grandmother who was a slave at Artem Lodge. And okay. The impl- yeah, so the implication is... He's is a descendant, not a son. He's a de- Correct. He's okay, a descendant yeah, of the Braithwaites, and that through him flows whatever mag- their magical abilities. And that Tick is considered, you know, like a pure con conduit now um you got you know of course you got uh fitz braithwaite you know fitz from scandal in there is you know is yes god yeah yeah that made mel happy (laughs) is like the ultimate asshole leading these group of wizards called the sons of adam because you know of course these um these masonic orders you know uh, may have some sort of um, I guess oh, these this notion of white purity and that only white males can have access to this power. And but it's the irony here is is that the key to unlocking this power, this immortality that uh, Titus Braithwaite you know fits wants, um, is through this black man. I do find I think that's that's really interesting. Uh, again, it subverts those notions of of of, of Lovecraft. Um, and what we get, you know, in the second episode is really you start to get the clues to what's going on and what's going on with Tick. You find his father, which I think was actually fascinating that they found Montrose so early. Because in my mind, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be episode five or six before they find his father. But they flip the script and they find him really quickly. And, and, you know, but that leads to a tragic loss of Uncle George, who I think, and, and, as you go along throughout the season, had you had Uncle George, I think they would have figured out things a hell of a lot quicker. And I think that they probably would not have fallen into the pitfalls that they have. But I find that um, Montrose, Atticus's father, what we start to learn about his relationship with, with Tick and about his own issues and how that impacts him as a father are really, really fascinating. Um, and, and something I think that's not too explored. I just, I'm just kind of dancing around spoilers because I, you know, in case you, 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 you go can, back and watch. I don't have a problem with you doing spoilers because 
a I I don't even mind spoilers on my other podcast, um, but B spoilers don't take anything away from me enjoying a well crafted story. Yeah, well, well, what I was gonna hint at is like you know uh, what they start dripping. One of the drips and drabs is is that Montrose is is bisexual or at least he at, at least he ha- he has an affinity he he's gay and um and he does he does have the implication that you know he loved Tick's mother George was also in love with uh Tick's mother and that there may be some sort of paternity issue there um that goes unsaid for most of this um first season comes to a head in episode nine, not really resolved, but I don't necessarily think, in my opinion, it doesn't necessarily need to be resolved. I'd rather see the development of Montrose and, you know, examining the how a black gay male operates in the 1950s, you know, and, and there's this whole fascinating episode where they talk about drag and black drag and so forth, which, again, um, if it was, it was, it could be Pose set back in the fifth, in the fifties, in this one. They, they but, had, but real... don't you think they sort of alluded to that with the fact that he went to the bar where his father hung out a lot, and then he went to find the guy who's in charge of the bar or owns it, and he goes back into the alley, and that guy's getting a blowjob for from a dude. I mean that the implications that his father is by is pretty blatant, even in the pilot. And like, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, but I really think that, 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 you know, they start, I guess for me, for me. Yeah. I mean, it was there, but you know, you got the first hint at that, but as, but as I'm talking about, as it relates to Tick's relationship with his father, mm. because it's a very volatile relationship. And what we find out is, is that his father, you know, grappling with his own sexual identity issues, you know, the backlash of that is, is that he feels like, you know, he needs to take it out on his son, has to take it out on Tick, and feels like that he needs to make sure Tick is a man. That is what I find fascinating. Um, Mel, but you're in, gonna... yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm done. Mel, you were gonna well, say something. Mo was mentioning how his um, Montrose is part of the you know the gay community, and there's a big scene with all of, of everyone together in a club and everything. And I love, 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 love that they really used you know some of the drag queens like Shangela's in it and Mojane Exchanges is in it. And I was freaking out because I love all these people, and I really love that instead of just casting people to pretend like they are drag queens and trans people. They really casted these type of people. And I'm like, yes, yes, give me more of this. Inject it into my veins. So that really made me excited. But I think we also need to talk about Michael Kenneth Williams, how he is portraying this tortured soul Mm. so well. You want to talk about a man with a range? He is it. I've been watching this man a long time. He's one of my favorite actors, and he is not disappointing on this show. Um, I have a question about the pilot just because I, I want a spoiler in this case. What's in the tower? A whole lot of bad shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not just about what's in the tower. It's about what's under the tower. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. The tower, they were discussing. What was, 
Luke, it's a, it's a lot. Like I don't have enough time to explain it to well, you. Well, no, no, I was just, don't. I was just. They they hinted at it possibly being a really bad thing with like dungeons and stuff, and I was like, okay, um, that should be interesting. Um, so as we wrap this discussion up, is there anything that you're looking forward to finding out in the pie, in the season finale, which is going to air tomorrow at the day after we record this Mo. Well, I was, I want to, well, one of the things we didn't cover was Ruby, Letty's sister. And again, she spends a whole episode, you know, exploring, you know, that, that, that sort of story of, you know, a black person being able to walk in a white person's shoes and so forth. And in which she literally takes on the skin of a white woman and experiences a white person's world through that. She develops a relationship with Christina Braithwaite and it's you're not really sure where the power dynamic is in that relationship. I want to know, you know, where they are at the end of the season as more or less a couple where they are as a couple at the end of the season. And Christina is um, the lady who's I'm guessing um, just because I'm not as because I don't think they said her name, but maybe I was wrong. And the pilot, she was the one who was in the silver car, right? Yes. Okay. Christina. Yes. She's, she's ticks more or less. She's ticks like, distant cousin okay to, for 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 lack of a better term but she she causes a lot or is indirectly involved in a lot of the the things that are going on throughout the season um and you know you're kind of wondering is she kind of lining herself up to be the quote-unquote big bad if such a thing exists in in this universe um okay Mel, what are you looking forward to in the season finale? So in the penultimate episode, Hippolyta comes back and she is now very aware of the power that she has. And I need to know more about that because there is, she has a standalone episode that is fantastic, but I need to know more about what happened after that episode. And when she came back, cause there's a gap of time there. And I'm, I'm gonna need to know, cause you know, a whole lot of things now, lady. I need to know more about that. And I also need to know more about this book of names that they just have obtained where they had to go back in time. And we got to see more of 1921's Tulsa. That episode was fantastic. But yes, these are, these are things that I need to know more about. And I hope they answer me on Sunday. So out of five, how many, how many um, stars would you give it? Well, this is like a good four at four point seven, four point eight. Okay, Mo. Oh, I'll I'll give it a four point seven. Plus, you know, you get the added bonus of <laughs> Hippolyta and uh, George's wife is named Hippolyta. His daughter's name is Diana. Mm-hmm. You know, the Wonder Woman connotations there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I definitely give it a four point seven. Well, fantastic! I'm looking forward to. <sighs> watching more i am going to watch it i'm personally am struggling right now with watching dark things so i need light stuff in my life at the moment um and so i'm not sure when i will exactly get to it but i am planning on watching it because everything that has been said about it has been high praise on that note flag on the play uh because of the fact that we recorded the first part of this episode 
before the season finale of Lovecraft Country, and I didn't have a chance to edit it, I decided that we're going to come back and we're going to continue to discuss the rest of the season and the season finale as part of one bigger episode. So, also joining me today, a different day than the when we recorded the first part of this podcast, Melody Akels, welcome. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome. Glad to be here, Luke. As I mentioned when we last recorded, um, the season finale had not finished. Um, episode 10, The Full Circle, had not aired. Um, but we didn't really dive into the entire season. We sort of kept it um, with the fr- early episodes and um, a little bit of hints about the season as a whole. So what were your guys' reactions to the seasons as a whole um, before we got to the finale, Mel? So this was absolutely a show where you thought you may kind of knew what was going on, but in reality, you did not. You, There was a monster was going to jump out from the ground. People were going to jump through a portal. It was going to take a hard left turn. You know, it was going to take three hard left turns. But that's what made this show so, for me, great. Just sensational. Because I like shows where I can't predict what's going to happen because it takes all the fun out of it. But this one was definitely go, go, go. It always kind of kept you on your toes. You didn't always exactly know what was going on. But in the end, it would come together. And I feel like the cast was very strong. And they had a really great chemistry. And that was part of what really reeled you in to this show. So I really hope that everyone else feels the same way. Mo, what was your big takeaway or big reaction to the season as a whole? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what what Mel said, I think for me, again, it is about a family. A family being able to define their story feeling like they can unshackle themselves from their past and though for for and and really feel like they can just forge their path and in this country it means like you know being able to face old monsters and you know it was racism you know made manifest into magic and monsters and so forth but i I think that for a show that really was about things that were happening, let's say, in in the 1950s and so forth, it felt very modern. You could take the the same questions that were raised back then are still being debated now. Um, I think for a lot of people, I think that, it may be a little bit off-putting. It may be a little tough because of the subject matter. The fact that the show, like Mel said, jumps around a bit. But I think, again, the cast holds it together. It's a very strong cast. It's a cast that you can very much see the chemistry between them and and the familiar bonds. And it's very interesting. For instance, I take uh, uh, Jamie... Uh, Chung's uh, Jiha, the, um, the Korean character who was the uh, the the Nine Tail uh, Demon, for instance, the episode in which she really starts to interact 
uh, with Tick and the other members of the Freeman family and, and, and Letty and so forth, she is the outsider who sees this family dynamic. And I think that for someone who's trying to understand how this family dynamic, just having that outsider perspective was really helpful. But again, I, I, I think that this was a, a really ambitious show for, for HBO. And, and I think it really did do an excellent job of coming together. What were your biggest shocking moments of the season, Mo? Probably, I mean, I mean, I will again go back really early on. I say Courtney B. Vance's George Freeman just being killed off very early on. Um, in my opinion, I feel as if if that character, if George Freeman's character, had remained alive and in circulation, I think a number of the quote-unquote mysteries would have come together a little bit quicker, a little bit sooner. I think uh, Tick and Letty may not have made some of the mistakes they made. Um, I also believe probably, for me, probably the the biggest shock, of course, was in episode, um, was episode five, um, in which uh, Ruby, who who as at this point is having in, in a relationship with William, and it turns out that it's actually Christina, um, um, as was being portray- portraying William through magic, and how nasty it is that transformation. You know the how how the body just the, the skin just kind of sloughs off, and it's just very bloody and visceral, and it's oozing and so forth. And then when Ruby has the opportunity to, you know, embrace being a white woman through magic, and the ending of that episode it's where she takes that stiletto and just starts pounding it into the ass of um you know her her supervisor that was just a powerful statement that was a powerful moment i mean it's a, just a shocking moment i just love it when you know her uh ruby the ruby starts transforming back into you know her her own her 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 normal self and you know and and that that store manager he's just freaking out you know he's thinking like he's coming on to this this white woman it turns out it's a, this black woman and you know in that her again the just the the um the, all that skin just kind of um just starts slothing off and peeling off and so forth and it's just very freaky it's i thought it was kind of funny and freaky and gross all at the same time just a lot of different emotions Mel? Um, for me, it was early on in the season where um, Tick and Letty ended up going on basically this giant adventure to, you know, back in way, way back in ancient times to find that one character who has both parts. And they basically end up back at Letty's house making one big circle when. They came back to that elevator. I, I tell y'all, I hollered. I hollered. I woke up the whole house. I was like, what is going on in this show? That was one that had me. But to bring up what Mo was talking about as well, about Jamie Chung's character, G, say it for me, Jiha? 
If that's wrong, I'm sorry. That character, the sex demon, I wasn't ready for that entire episode. I don't think I still am not ready for the episode, and I watched it. But just the fact of that is how her character needed to be, and she needed to get a certain number of kills, and she decapitates him. That was wild. That was absolutely wild. Well, um, when it comes to the season, did you guys each have a favorite episode? Um, I probably really like the penultimate episode, episode nine, okay. where Rewind they go. 1921? Yes. Um, where they go back into Tulsa before the race massacre, because this is one of the very first times we've ever seen on TV of the Tulsa race massacre before everything happened. And we're seeing, you know, it prosper. We're seeing black people build their own stores and own their own businesses and just be glamorous because, you know, the race massacre is what's popular, but we have to talk about the before of why it was so monumental to that this part of Tulsa was completely destroyed. It's because black people made their own. And I thought just to see that on television, especially during the society that we're living in now was amazing. And I felt like they did a great job. It also involved time travel, which if you have ever listened to this podcast, you know, I am fond of. So I thought they just did a great job with that episode from start to finish. And, and we learned lots of things about the family, about Atticus's mother and how her whole family was, you know, tasked to keep this book. And so many little things came out in that episode as it should be because it is such an important episode in the season, but that's probably my favorite. What? So before I ask Mo what his favorite episode was, how would you say that this one for you compared the historical point of the Tulsa massacre um, was something that was also depicted on Witch- Watchmen. Mm-hmm. How do those two, which of those two do you think did it best? I mean, can, mm, I don't know. I don't know because I feel like they're both telling different parts of the story because on Watchmen, we are telling when we, the first episode of Watchmen, it opens up and we are in the throes. We are in the middle of the race massacre. It is going down. The city is being burned down. People are dying. It is complete chaos. And it's also, Watchmen is telling the aftermath of that. It's telling a different story than what actually happened. You know, people in Tulsa, they got reparations and there's a whole center for people who are related to someone who survived the massacre. So if you're telling it in that aspect of the story, I thought they did a great job. And Tulsa was a giant part of Watchmen, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas in Lovecraft Country, we really got this one episode. Yes, they are, you know, survivors of the massacre, which we find out in the ninth episode, but it really just focused in this one episode. So I don't know if I would necessarily say I like one better than the other because we're telling it in different times of, of what happened. Because okay. at the end of Lovecraft, at the end of Lovecraft, we, we are just now seeing like the, the massacre is just starting when they decide to leave. So I find it interesting that that is it's a piece of history that has been overlooked for so long. I find it interesting that in the past two years, it's come up on two um, HBO shows that are like 
could be argued prestige shows. Mo, what was your favorite episode and what did you think of the difference between Watchmen and Lovecraft Country? So um, probably I would say, actually, I kind of have a tie in, in terms of two of my How favorite episodes. dare you, good sir. <laughs> so I'm, I'm channeling you, Luke. I, I'm channeling you. We make you. the rules up as we go along. Okay, keep going. So, yeah, and, and you know, and again, I go back to episode uh, five, um, Strange Case. And again, and reason why I, I feel like that for me is just it it touches something within me this this whole notion of you know people walking in someone else's shoes the notion of you know th this whole myth of like you know uh black people people who are or just people who don't have power suddenly having power being able to just move through a portion of society that has been excluded or, or not accessible to them with ease and just how how much that, that that that's such a different perspective for them and i just it's just one of those old myths that's literally becomes truth and and i like again the whole twist with in terms of how the magic is utilized I like the episode because we really do get a little bit more with, with Ruby, who I think is a very fascinating character. It's a very complex character um, who I think really does warrant a return in the second season. I, I just, I just, I found just Ruby just really such a fascinating character and just having this whole episode that's pretty much her episode more or less i mean she's the primary character in here and i think you know having a, and it also kind of sets up christina it adds a little bit more dimension to her character as well the second episode that i i, I really enjoyed uh, was the seventh episode which was which was i am which um it's where hippolyta or hippolyta sorry yeah um goes through uh goes through the uh uses the device and act the ori and ends up going to different times different alternate realities which was really the most what i would say the quote-unquote sci-fiist of the episodes because up until now we were dealing with with magic and witchcraft and and, and so forth but then it really takes this interesting twist and where it's very sci-fi it's it's super sci-fi and you know Apollo ends up with her blue hair and she ends up with her wrists you know she gets um circuitry and and so forth in her wrists that allows her to uh connect to technology later on but in which she she travels to the 1920s paris and and becomes friends with josephine baker and she, you know, she becomes part of this group of black Amazonian women who, who like kill these Confederate soldiers. And she really finds the power within herself. And I just absolutely just thought it was a wild episode. I think that the episode true, true. It, it's out of this world. It literally is out of this world. Um, I, 
I really think that th- they really did a good job of fleshing out that character in that episode because I, I again think she takes this kind of like backseat for um, really like three episodes up until um, episode episode seven, Hippolyta that is, and when she when she reemerges, you know, going into the final episodes, I think it really sets this character up for great things, not just in the fun in the um, in the final episodes of the first season, but what what we could see in this character in, in season two. Okay. The final episode was called Full Circle. Um, it aired on October 18th. In it, the group tried to save uh, Diana from a curse, and then they faced Christina. Mel, what did you think of the season, the season one finale of Lovecraft Country? What stood out? What made you go, what the fuck? The episode really took you on a journey, I feel like, because we start, you know, they just got back. They almost didn't make it back. Now they have to come up with a plan to figure out, okay, how are we going to do this? Because we have to save Diana and she's still pretty much out of it. And we have to defeat Christina, who at this point is immortal and has everything that she needs. And then there's also the prophecy of, hey, Tick is going to die at some point. So let's try and save him. As things worked out, they weren't exactly able to do that. And you can kind of see during the episode when Tick realizes, well, it's going to be a wrap for me. So I'm just going to do the best I can and try and save my cousin here. Um, The WTF moment was definitely as Atticus is strapped to the board or whatever it was that he strapped you in. Chris, he's bleeding. He's bleeding out here. And Christina thinks she's one. And Jiha realizes, Oh, this is where I come into the story. This is, this is my moment. And she becomes the demon and links herself to the moon and Atticus and Christina, that whole, I was like, I didn't see that one coming, but it was a good aha moment. So, and I do feel like it set up, season two well because you know letty's pregnant so that's gotta go somewhere i did enjoy letty and christina fighting too in the uh, as ruby in in the top of the tower there that was an interesting battle too but i uh, i enjoyed the the finale definitely mo how about you you know i found the fin- finale just really wild and just like 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 Mel said, it was like batshit. I mean, when they get back to Artem, it's just all out, just chaos. Um, but I really, you know, one of the things I did, I did I did struggle with with a few things. I I did struggle. I feel like Hippolyta or Hippolyta when when they were surrounded when. Um, she was surrounded. She, uh, um, Montrose and Jihad were just surrounded by the, I guess, the residents, the people who, the, the laborers who lived at Artem. When they started attacking them, I feel like I'm not sure. And I know it was overwhelming numbers. Just this part of me feels like Hippolyta should have kicked a little bit more ass. But that was just me. 
I don't, and I feel like uh, GR could have put up a bit more of a fight. I just, I, I don't know. It just, just something about it just didn't quite work for me in that particular scene. Um, but when it when it comes to as as again as Mel said, I mean, once Jihad puts the pieces together to figure out her role in bringing down Christina, that was that was just off the chain. I did not expect that at all. I absolutely love the twist at the end and uh, involving Diana. I mean, just I'm not sure where this kind of personality switch came from from diana but it's 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 really interesting that you know she becomes much more uh, she becomes an aggressor and you know she's willing to put down anybody who comes for her family and i'm i'm just really curious to see where her role in things stands comes the the next season particularly because now that she got her you know her pet you know multi-eyed demon dog cat thing you know that bites off people's heads you know um really curious to see where that goes i was a bit sad that uh tick you know didn't end up making it i figured you know that given again this is an hbo show they were gonna um we knew what the stakes were. Something monumentous was going to happen. Someone major was going to die. Um, it just kind of makes me wonder, you know, a bit about the direction of this the series. I, I, I kind of wonder what kind of threats they will be facing. I mean, given that now, you know, white people cannot you know, wield magic. It's, it's like, so, you know, obviously there's going to be those other factions that were mentioned. Those other orders will probably be coming for um, the, the book of names will be coming for Letty's child. Um, just really just wondering where they, where they take it from. So uh, out of five stars, what would you rate the season? Uh, for me, I would, I would, I would give it, um, I would give it a probably about a, a, a four point, uh, for four or five, four or five, um, out of five stars. Four point five. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that again, in terms of the material, it's kind of hard to get your to wrap your hand, heads around. It really doesn't do a really good job of explaining things, particularly early on. Um, so, and there were times where you know they would bring up these concepts and so forth, and I would just Google things just to kind of have a clear understanding of what what they're talking about. Um, I, for one, am was there's not very versed in in Lovecraft at all, so. Again, just trying to have a better understanding of these types of things. Again, what I found that if I focused on the through line of the familiar unit, that was the clearest. That was the cleanest, in my opinion. Um, that in and of itself had a really nice story arc 
particularly the notion of of Tick, Montrose, and George, and you know, and the note and Tick just coming really, I think, really coming to terms and understand it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter who his biological father. His his he he is the product of both Montrose and George. Okay, Mel, out of five. Uh, I'm going to go with Mo here. Uh, 4.5, I think, is pretty accurate for the season because I do agree that early on it was hard to follow and it was kind of disorienting. As you stick with it, it, things start to come together more and you're a little bit more, I would say, aware of any, any anything and everything can happen in this show. So um, that was a few little hang-ups for me but overall i think it was a great series final thoughts mo well again uh probably and you know one of the things that we um didn't we didn't touch upon and has been a bit somewhat controversial is the indigenous character uh yamia who was killed off fairly quickly by montrose and I think that I was really hoping that that character would have stuck around a little bit longer. So I do feel like the com- the um, complaints, the backlash that um, the show's cre- uh, creator um, M- Misha Green ha- has has received has been has been a bit justified in that, um, especially given that we're the show big part of the show's mythology is underrepresented um, groups finding power in their own story and in magic and so forth. Mel, final thoughts? I think Jonathan Majors looks great without a shirt on. Um, You know, I had to lust. I had to lust. I couldn't help myself. Um, Final thoughts. If anybody's thinking about giving this series a try, I definitely think you should do it. Any and everything can happen. It is a wild series. It has a very, very strong cast. Um, They gel well. Watch it. Do it. Okay. On that note, this is wrapping up the episode. You can comment on it at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kurt. Mel is at Melody Akles. And Mo is at Dr. Mo 77, right? Correct. Been a while since I did that, so I was like, all of a sudden I was getting it mixed up with Dan's and I needed to make sure. Uh, We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody.